Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. I'm Jordan. And I am Micah. And we exist. Macaw, both of us. Yeah. Married. Yeah. That's who we are. Yep. And we're here to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. We are absolutely here to do that. And so we cover film franchises, triple or more. And guess what we're covering today? If you didn't read, if you did not read your podcast, you are going to be, I'll give you a hint. It's got Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in it. Got it yet? It's Lethal Weapon, folks. The next month. Lethal Weapon. That's how (laughs) Mel would say it in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to be covering all seven Lethal Weapon movies. No. Oh, yeah. Wink, wink. Uh, So today we. No was a, you're kidding me. (laughs) Yeah, so we're we're covering Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, get a talk some Mel. Get a talk some Glover. Get a talk some Richard Donner today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not part of the Donner Party. So if you're here because you think this is a podcast about the Donner Party, sorry to disappoint, but there's no cannibalism to be had here. Well, you'll be surprised at the production of this movie. No, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> Pretty straightforward production on this, but um, yeah, let's kick it off with uh, your experience. And your first experience with this movie. You told me. Um, so I don't remember exactly when I first saw it, but it would have been sometime in high school. Okay. My dad bought the combo pack that has all four that you and I have been watching for this series, uh, borrowed from him. And uh, this was kind of a classic. This was like a staple in the household. Was this big for your dad when it originally came out? Oh, yeah. He okay. saw it in theaters. Uh, got a funny story about him seeing it in theaters. Well, let's just do it right now. Do it right now. So... You remember when this movie first starts and he's yeah. in the trailer and he's naked? Well, oh, Mel Gibson. That's not when it first first starts, but go I, ahead. I mean, when when you're introduced yeah, he's to bare butt. yeah, so he's bare butt and um, he's he gets up and he's walking and he said there was women in the theater yelling out, "Turn around, turn around!" <gasps> <laughs> wow, that's great. So yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so this was don't like, remember this much nudity, Pure, like yeah, on every in every aspect of it. I did because I was young and impressionable, and I used to because I didn't see quite as many movies. I used to remember like like anything if someone was like, "Oh, does this movie have anything bad?" I'd be like, "Oh yeah, they say a lot of f words. There's like two c words. There's like one sex." Like I used to be able to just mm-hmm. like do that. Now I watch even more movies than I used to. I can't retain that kind of information, mm-hmm. but. I used to like always remember that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to do like what I feel like my parents do or what my dad does where it's like you're young and he's like, hey, we're going to watch this movie. And he's like, oh, I forgot this scene was in it. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. I yeah. shouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. So anyway, this movie was big for me back in the day, uh, particularly the sequel, which at the time was my favorite. We'll see how it lands upon rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this was a staple at the Macaw House. Um I mean, frankly, Gibson was a big hit at the Macaw House. You know, yeah, you guys watched that one show that got canceled after like two episodes. Complete Savages? Yeah. Well, there were 20 episodes. but You're the only person I know who has ever known of the show's existence and yeah, watched yeah. it. I would have not. And he was never just a producer on it. It wasn't. Oh, I thought he was in it. Well, he, he did uh, show up as Officer Someone um, and like a little cameos. His name was Officer Someone? I don't remember the officer's oh, name. But yeah, I... Yeah, you Mel is big. I mean, your dad's favorite movie is Brave, Braveheart. Yeah, so I mean, he was he was big in our house. I mean, don't love him so much these days. Not a not a big fan of the anti-Semitism. 
Yeah, let's I'll, just get I'll ahead that, on that one. Say that <laughs> yeah. on record. Um, so, you know, it, it's a little tricky sometimes, the relationship with Mel. But going back to this older stuff, I enjoy quite a bit. But we've, you know, we've covered Mel before on this podcast because our second series we ever covered Max. was Mad Max, which we're going to be returning to this year, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Um, so I'm just forewarning you, when you get there, it'd be great to kind of fill in the gaps. Oh, okay. Mel, to, from then to now. Um, not, not everything, of course, but some of the notable stuff to know where he's at in his career at this point. Yep. Um, the Lethal Weapon TV show. That's interesting. Yeah, with Bill Paxton in it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I mean, Lethal Weapon is a is a is a big it's a big deal. P- I mean, this is I a, know <laughs> I know this is a big thing for a lot of people. So, and it's yeah. Well, I'll wait to get to, into some of it, but um, let's hear your first experience with this my movie. first experience with this movie. <laughs> I always like knew it existed. Yeah, but had never seen it. I think it's because maybe my dad didn't really like or not like it. I just. Obviously, it wasn't big for him. I mean, yeah, this is a total dad movie. A total dad movie where yeah. it's like, I like this movie and I will show my children. Yeah. Um. So that I never had that experience. And then when you gave me the the infamous stack of movies, right. this four-pack of Lethal Weapon was in it. I There's no way I could have seen all four of them. No. But I, I know I watched the first two. But we'll see. Maybe as we watch the other two. I think you just watched the first two, personally. Yeah. I didn't remember, I, I hardly remembered anything that was in this movie, but that uh-huh. kind of happens when you're trying to get through a stack of like 20 movies. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. I really like this guy and I really want to be able to talk to him about these movies. So I have to watch all of them. Um, that's just the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. It worked out. We're married and we have a child. Hey, it was, I literally did my homework for this relationship. <laughs> um, but yeah, watched it. Don't remember having an opinion about it. I still had no nostalgia for it. So when you said we were doing this, I was like, okay. Yeah. And then we're watching it last night and I was like, Ooh, I don't like this movie. Yeah. This is kind of at all. I mean, there's some fun, there's some fun yeah. stuff, but I very hard for me to get on board with it for some reason. And the, the very insane saxophone, like those tropes, it's like, I know I I know I thought that's the first time I saw it, but it's like we ha- we can make fun of this genre because of this movie. Sure, yeah. Because it's doing everything so dramatically. Yeah. Um, but gosh, yeah. I yeah, well, we're it. gonna get into it because uh, I, I I thought that the story was lazy. I I, I like totally disagree with you on this. Very movie. strange. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a fun time capsule of a movie, but it's not a good movie. Yeah, I I absolutely disagree with you. So this will be an interesting episode to get into. Mm-hmm. Let's um, just do the actor really th- okay. really quick. Okay. So Mad Max was 1979. I forgot okay. that that's one of the coolest movie posters ever to be created. Which which Mad Max poster? This one. Oh yeah. Um, and then in '80, he's in the Chain Reaction. Uh. Then 81's The Road Warrior. The Bounty is in 84. The River at 84. Thunderdome, 85. And then Lethal Weapon. And then he's in stuff, other stuff. But. So not, not much between um, Weapon and Thunderdome? It's Thunderdome and then Lethal Weapon. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, okay. So, so, so I think that this movie is probably what cements him as a star then. 
Because, okay. I mean, Mad Max does good for him, but I, I wouldn't imagine that that's that, that becomes like the Mel Gibson we know. He's got some funny posters. I mean, this is also, the, we're getting into the 90s, but I'm looking yeah. at um, this. The, the, both of these Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2 posters are just very funny and very of the time. Oh, well, and the then, Lethal Weapon 3 posters, absolutely bat. Bat, bat bonkers are crazy. <laughs> They're literally doing the back-to-back gun thing, we're, except they actually have guns. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> doing the Charlie's but you, Angel you thing. see who's peeking up behind this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with CGI but fingers. But there's this, this one with Goldie Hawn. Uh, he, he has so many, all these movies, he's holding a gun in them. Yeah. But this one with Goldie Hawn, Bird on a Wire. Yeah, that Which looks fun. That probably looks fun. a fun movie. Yeah. Um, Air America with <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Look at that. That looks tough. <laughs> that looks so bad. Um, hold on. And then, yeah, the, yeah, he's, it's just some funny posters, but yeah, that's Mel Gibson around this time. Okay. Danny All right. Glover. Now I know, can I just say to TT up here? I know that he had come off of the color purple oh, playing okay. Mr. Um, I, he may have got a nom, a nation for it. Thank you for not saying the other thing. Can I still say nom? Yes. Okay. You just have to say nom, nom, nom every time. And I gotta, <laughs> I just have to say I'm done hearing that. Okay, so that, and according to Ebert's review of this movie, this is the movie that cements him as a star. Lethal Weapon as well? That is that is what Roger Ebert said in his review. He's like, he was great in know. Color Purple, but now he's a star. Oh, okay. His four-star review of this movie, by the way, mind you. Okay. That's, that's good that he thinks that. You're gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of egg on your face. Between... Yeah, I mean, he's in the color purple, like you said. A, a lot of things I haven't seen. Witness, looks like a Harrison Ford movie. Yeah. Silverado. A classic. A TV, classic dad movie. Mandela, where he plays Nelson Mandela. Um, well, and, and of course, in the future, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are going to be, well, the, there's, they're going to make Maverick, and Danny Glover does a little cameo in it. Oh, okay. I was also in that stack of movies. Yeah, no. and I was recently it? found out that's a Richard Donner movie as well. Did, was that movie in that? Oh, stack? yeah, it was in the stack. Because okay. also was Quigley Down Under, and those both felt like the same movie to me. Yeah, very different, but Westerns. But they're both yeah. Westerns. That, that's the only reason yeah. I say that. But in, in Maverick, there's a, there's a part where, you know, Danny Glover's robbing a bank, and Mel Gibson pulls down his handkerchief, and they look at each other, and they, they're like, like they recognize each other because Lethal Weapon was so big, they could make a joke where they recognize each other. How crazy is that? That is pretty crazy. <laughs> We've never covered Gary Busey. No, this is the. I don't know if we ever will again. Probably but... not. Um, but this is like the most reserved performance I've ever seen him do. But he's also in Point Break, which is one of the most unhinged performances you've ever seen a person do. <laughs> as well as Under Siege. that meatball sandwich. There's nothing yeah. like it. The Buddy Holly story where he plays Buddy Holly. That might be another one where it's very un-Gary Busey-like. I, very, I think... He's young in that. I think Point Break might be the, the, the tipping Demarcation. point for her. Yeah, yeah. for him. <laughs> Not her. <laughs> Mitchell Ryan plays the general. This guy's in Halloween. The curse... Of Michael Myers. I don't know which one that is. The Curse of Michael Myers is number five. But we haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, so he must be in that and Halloween 3. Are you talking about the He's dad? He's Dr. Wynn. Are you talking no. about... Oh, 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 so this is another this Halloween is the, this person. This is the 
bad guy, like the main bad guy. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He's also in Liar Liar. Mm. Lover Love for Rent, the Drew Carey show, The West Wing, so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Tom Atkins, who is in Halloween three. Three. Which the is witch, the subtitle? Uh, uh Season of the Witch. Yes. Um, he's also in The Fog. I don't remember him in The Fog. Is he like the main guy in The Fog? He might be, yeah. That makes sense. Um, man, I that movie was lame. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, he's also in My Bloody Valentine 3D. Night of the Creeps. Big old, big old horror guy. Our baby talking. She might be. Let me let me check and just keep talking. City on a Hill, Trick, Judy's Dead. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wide awake, just staring at the camera. Okay. Well, we got to try and get her to go back to sleep. Well, let me finish. Oh, okay. That's Tom Atkins. And then (laughs) um, who did they introduce? Uh, His daughter. But what was her name? It started with a T. Tracy Wolf. Okay. Tracy Wolf. She is in every Lethal Weapon movie, as well as she said, Law and Order, Blue Bloods. Oh, she said is new. Yeah. That's, yeah, okay. And the Cosby Show. Okay. Is that everybody? Sure. So you're done with all of the actors? I think so. And we want to get into who made this movie, correct? Please. So this movie is directed by Richard Donner, who I think has one of the more fascinating careers out of anyone. Um, He gets his first real big hit with a little movie called The Omen. Mm-hmm. He'll then go on to make Superman. Great decapitation scene in The Omen. Decapitation scene? Oh, I don't remember it. Am I thinking of The Exorcist? What's the decapitation scene? The, the they're, uh, These guys are walking with a plate glass window, like a big one. I feel like that is The Omen. Yeah. Yeah. A- and it's huge. And something happens where it goes flying and it decapitates a guy. And it looks so cool. I'm pretty sure that is Omen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was shocking the first time I saw it. Yeah. So he does that. Then he goes on to make Superman and Superman 2. Which, so who's the Superman? Uh, uh, who's the actor? Christopher Reeve. <laughs> okay. Reeves. Uh, no, I almost said Henry Cavill. Like, out of just oh. like... Um, so uh, he makes like the modern superhero movie. Okay. You know, like the first hit movie. Oh, okay. It's like that. Have you seen it? I've, I've seen both of those movies, yeah. Is it good? Are they um, good? At the time, I was unimpressed. I I think it's it, it you know it's a superhero movie before like modern times, so it's a little tough to watch. But I could I could see myself watching it now and liking it a lot more. Cool. Um, I mean, he's I think Superman one is still probably the best Superman movie that's ever been made, mm. pretty easily. Um, so does that. He also makes the Goonies. And then... Um, they never say die. They never say die. He does Maverick. He just has a really diverse career. I I, I think they need to cover him on blank check. That would mm-hmm. be cool. Um, and then this one is one of the later hits, which is Lethal Weapon. And it's kind of like all of those projects, when you think of them together, it's like, how did the same person make all of those <laughs> things, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um. And let's see, uh, this is also the first realized Shane Black project. And we've talked about Shane Black a long time ago when we talked about Iron Man 3, because he's one of the co-writers and he is the director of Iron Man 3. And he's done The Nice Guys. Um, he he was in the original Predator movie. Um, 
Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Shane Black's in Predator? Yeah, the original oh. Predator, yeah. And and yeah, so he he wrote this supernatural thriller set in Vietnam, and that got Fox kind of interested in him. And then he wrote this movie, and they decided to make it. Um, so then the cinematographer is Steven Goldblatt, who did Joe versus the Volcano and the Batman Schumacher. So we've talked about him as okay. well. Uh, the music is by Michael Kamen and Eric Clapton. So what is there an Eric Clapton song in this movie that I... No, he played all of the guitar. Got it. Uh, yeah. And so this guy... Uh, Boy, did he. Uh, he really did. Uh, Michael Kamen has also done Die Hard, Avengers, a- Adventures in Babysitting, um, License to Kill. So did he do all the saxophone parts? No, that was... Um, I wrote it down. Where is it? Je- uh, no, 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 not him. Uh, David Sun- Sunburn. I think it autocorrected. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Okay. Um, I will look that up I'll right look it now. Up. I'll look it up. Keep okay. going. Yeah, I hate when it autocorrects names and I don't catch it. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to set the table because... Sanborn. Sanborn. Okay, thank you. This movie comes out March 6, 1987. And um, buddy comedies. Yeah. Buddy, buddy, buddy cop. Buddy cop movies. Yeah. Um, I'm just setting the table for like the comedic kind of, but also still edgy buddy cop movie. So we have 48 Hours, which is Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. That comes in out in 1982. Never even heard of that movie. Very famous. People love that movie. Have you seen it? Nope. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Is 84. The sequel is 87. This one I hadn't heard of. Uh, in 1986, there's a movie called Running Scared with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. And then in 87 is Lethal Weapon. Okay. So I, I still nice think run. that this movie is sort of um, significant. I think it kind of like encapsulates the the buddy cop in a in a significant way. And it's such a big hit that it's kind of like, okay, this is how... Um, the I, I think there was like a meta... meta On Metacritic, there was a review that said something like, this movie kind of defines like what late 80s and 90s action movies are going to be like. Mm, okay. So, um, particularly in the crime vein. Okay. Uh, it has a $15 million budget. It make, It's so crazy hearing about these tiny budgets back then. Uh, make 65 in the U.S. and 120 worldwide. Huge hit. Huge hit, yeah. And it will spawn three sequels, a TV show, and always rumors of a fifth movie. Um, well... Actually, we forgot. There is Lethal Weapon 5, 6, and 7, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. Um, so Shane Black wrote this in 1985. He was inspired by Dirty Harry. It's a series we covered last year on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and the original draft of this movie was much darker. There was this whole scene where there was a trailer full of cocaine that exploded, and it showered snow all over um, the Hollywood sign. Well, it showered cocaine. <sighs> But he hated it. Tell me it's an 80s movie without telling me it's an 80s (laughs) movie. He hated it? He hated it, and he discarded it, and then eventually he kind of came back to it and kept editing it until he Mm -hmm. got a draft that he liked. Then some producers kind of like it, and then they're kind of getting on board. Um, I don't think this is a Fox movie. They were just interested in him, and he was working with them, and then eventually this becomes, again, his first, like, realized project. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jeffrey Bohm does an uncredited rewrite um adding humor because it was maybe a bit too dark see this is what i think i have a problem with 
Okay. I, I just don't think I'm a fan of the genre, potentially. Because this movie's not funny enough for me to be uh-huh. just to have a fun time the whole time. Yeah. But it's not like in the it's not procedural enough for me to get that filled. Okay. Either. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like kind of my criticism of the movie where it's it's not funny enough, but it's also not like we don't get they don't get into it enough uh-huh. on what the crime is. It all just felt very much like yeah, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I'm just supposed to like be on board with all of it. I'm a little surprised you're saying that about the crime element. Um, not not that it's. I, I get what you're saying about yeah. it being not procedural enough for your like personal yeah. taste, but I'm surprised that you're thinking it's so like slapdash. It, it, that's how it felt. To it me. feels put together to me. I guess we'll. It feels go put it. together for you. It just yes. felt convenient. Huh, okay. Um, I mean, this is someone who's currently watching uh, True Detective Night Country. Yeah. Yeah. And watching the seeing them putting weird uh, weird AI posters <laughs> in the background. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Okay. But let's <laughs> let's put a pin in True Detective. We can't open that can of worms. Um, but yeah, I was so one thing that I've I've seen. I think all but one Shane of Shane Black's at least directed movies. Okay. Um, and I like his movies. I'm See, not. I'm wondering if I'm not a Shane Black fan. Yeah, did you like Kiss Kiss did Bang Bang? Did not care for that movie when we watched it. Okay, well, but that's... was too scared to admit it to our friends. That's crazy. Well, uh, Kateri and I were the only ones who'd seen it. So we were the only ones like, you guys are going to love this movie. But I don't like disappointing people. Yeah, who, yeah who then, really okay, then the you don't like Shane Black. You just don't like Shane Black. But I like that Iron Man movie. Well, I, it's a yeah, sweet one. Iron Man 3 rocks and is totally misunderstood. Um, and what else has he done? Well, he's done The Nice Guys, which you and I both oh, are I lukewarm hate on. I hate that. no. No, well, I no, do not like yes. that movie. Not I, lukewarm. I okay. I didn't. I didn't like that movie, but I've heard enough people defend it so hard mm-hmm. that I think if I rewatch it, I will like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. Love Lethal Weapon. So yeah, he does it for you. Um, yeah, I I think you don't like him. Yeah, which is okay. Um, I can see that it's hard for you. Well, I'm trying to piece it together because it's. The, the stuff that I like about him is he usually has these fun, really complicated stories. They're usually somewhat, from from Kiss Kiss on, they have somewhat of like a meta text to them without being Deadpool. And then they they have like a an offbeat humor that's very funny. Um, So I was also surprised knowing that about him and being familiar with his work that um, humor was added to his script. Like yeah. it wasn't like built in. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but maybe, maybe it's just those little like voiceover type jokes that yeah. are added. Cause there, there's funny things about this movie just in like how the characters are and stuff that were probably baked into the script. Yeah. But maybe it's some of those like throwaway lines that are like, okay, that's maybe not funny, you know, or, or maybe Jeffrey Bohm was like, Hey, I'm adding the getting too old for this shit. Do you think though he all the stuff he added was all of the things that were voiceovered? <laughs> well, that, well, yeah, I think that's There's possible. A lot of voiceover. There's a lot of weird voiceover. Yeah, but I also think it's the time period. I, I think it's the time period too. Because like that stuff yeah. sounds stands out now, but yeah. it didn't then. And I think for me, because I didn't grow up watching this movie, I really don't think if I think about it, I didn't grow up watching buddy cop movies. Yeah. So I, for me, it's like pol- police procedural not to be all annoying about it but it's like serpico like that's the kind of cop movie i want to watch yeah which is really in the weeds and it's really not just that movie but like other ones where 
they're pretty accurate to how things work. Uh huh. And then I'm watching this movie and I'm laughing at watching Mel Gibson acting like a cop. Yeah. Because yeah. none of it's accurate. Uh huh. But that's not what the movie's about. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But I don't really enjoy it. Well, I Man. enjoyed it, but not for the right reasons. That's, that's I'm a, I'm a little confounded <laughs> by this because it's just it at the end of the day I feel like Lethal Weapon is a really solid like adult like general audience like how can you not like Lethal Weapon? So it's a little odd that, that this is nostalgia odd to me. is a big thing that's just missing from it. Yeah. For me. But I'm also, you know, I'm looking at critics at the time yeah. who were like, yeah. this movie rocks and yeah. stuff. I mean, Eber gave it four out of four. At the time. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Well, let me keep reading about this. So I, uh, I just wanted to read a couple of fun quotes mm-hmm. from people. So according to Donner, quote, it took about two hours. Um, this was about the casting process sure. of casting Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. It took about two hours, and by the time we were done, I was in seventh heaven. They found innuendos. They found laughter where I never saw it. They found tears where they don't ex- exist. They didn't exist before. And most importantly, they found a relationship, all in just one reading. So if you ask about casting, it was magical, just total dynamite. I do think they have good chemistry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Gibson said this about the story. This particular story was a cut above others I'd passed on because the action is really a sideline, which heightens the story of these two great characters. I picture Riggs as an almost Chaplin-esque figure, a guy who doesn't expect anything from life and even toys with the idea of taking his own. He's not like these stalwarts who come down from Mount Olympus and wreak havoc havoc and go away. He's somebody who doesn't look like he's set to go off until he actually does, which I agree with, and I have some thoughts on that that we'll talk about later. And then, um, yes, this is what Glover had to say. Uh, fresh off his role of Mr. from The Color Purple. Aside from the chance to work with Mel, which turned out to be pure pleasure, one of the reasons I jumped at this project was the family aspect. The chance to play intricate relationships and subtle humor that exists in every close family group was an intriguing challenge, as was playing a guy turning 50. Murtaugh's a little cranky about his age until everything he loves is threatened. His reawakening parallels Riggs. There you go. Great. Uh, Busey had never played a bad guy. Okay. And then, like you said, the saxophone is by David Sunburn. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, Sanborn. 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 Yeah. Um, and that, those are the notes I have on on Lethal Weapon. Fewer than I would expect. I I know. I was kind of expecting it to be like, okay, I'm gonna have to like spend a long time on Wikipedia and then checking all the sites and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a shorter page than I was hmm. expecting. There is some drama on Lethal Weapon too, though, that I read involving the. Pesci? the rewriter of this oh, movie of and Shane Black. So, oh, okay. The guy who added the humor. So I'm really oh. excited to kind of dive into that next week. But okay. that's what we have. Should we attempt to go any further or should yes, we just we do should. the plot tomorrow? I think we can do it. Okay. I th- well, I think we can do some of it. Some of it. Okay. So the movie begins. Well, okay. Let's talk about the movie in general a little bit. Yeah. Because... I mean, definitely, for sure, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you. I understand that when you're watching this movie, it there is a time capsule element to this movie, yeah. and it's not just that these guys are in the '80s running around and look like people from the '80s. It's the score. It's the editing. It's the pacing. Oh, all honey, that it's stuff. the score. But the score in particular is is very, very dated. But it's like, but but you know, it's one of those things where. 
you you have something referenced in a comedy or something that's making fun of a genre or something, yeah. something but it's heightened yeah. for comedic effect. This is not like watching this movie. Yeah, it's dramatic. It's all dramatic. And thinking score. of like things that you've seen past this that have made fun of this. Yeah. This is dramatic. Yeah. People aren't cranking it up to 11 for comedic effect. This is just how it is, which. Well, it, it, it is as stark in, in some ways as like when you go back and watch a silent, like dramatic film. Yeah. And you see close ups where people are crying and it's it's so incredibly overacted. Yes. And you have to put yourself in the mind frame of like, I'm not someone from the 2000s watching yeah. this movie. Yeah. Otherwise, like, what am I doing? But but when you watch that and you see this person emoting like that, it's like you can watch it with your modern lens and be like, oh, brother, this is so unsubtle. And I think that this movie is kind of in that category where there's things about it where it's like you can definitely sit there like cross armed and saying like this is so, so dumb, like with the score. But I think you just have to go. That's just how, what it was. People, mm-hmm. I don't think people thought that was cheesy at the time. No, I, but yeah, you know, I know dad's listening. I mean, did you think that the score to this movie was cheesy at the time? Anyone else who, who was alive when this came out and went and saw it? Did you think the score was cheesy at the time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's that, there's that great thing that happens with comedy where it's like when something is so parodied into the ground, that like when you go back to the source of the thing, sometimes it's shocking that it's not a joke. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Like the, the I mean, this is like the prime example yeah. of that. I can't think of any other examples right now, but yeah. there are plenty where you just are like, you just find yourself watching an old movie and you're like, oh, this is what all those things are. Well, it's spoofing. like the you talking to me thing. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. And taxi driver, and you go back and you watch the movie, and it says it's as subtle as you talking to me. And you're like, what? This I thought was it was that this big, big thing. explosive thing, <laughs> yeah. but no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any anything else? About, I mean, I guess, did you want to dive into like your thoughts on the script or whatever or anything like that? Just, or do you want to I don't, just... we can do it throughout, I guess. Okay. So. Kind of crazy that this opening shot, which is all the credits, but it's going over the LA skyline. Yeah. And it ends at the skyscraper. Yeah. Pretty wild. That's nuts. Yeah. And it's doing all the billing, and it looks great. And and then we see this woman who is, like, uh, snorting some cocaine. Topless. Topless. And uh, then she's, like, playing on the balcony and falls slash jumps yeah. Yeah. off of this skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And then she falls. She hits the car. Love how it's shot where it goes to an interior of the car as it, like, explodes mm-hmm. down. And then we have what I'm going to say is a very, very badass title card. Not title yeah. card, director, uh, director card. Directed by. Because she is naked, like splayed out, dead on a car after like what looks like a suicide. Mm-hmm. And then it says, in that shot, it's directed by Richard Daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... And then um, I like this yeah. next... I do... I do like this... Establishing well, you seemed two. on board for the first 15 minutes. Oh, was that obvious? So, um, we yeah, started I, laughing a lot. I, I, I did like this first part where we're introducing both characters and it's going back and forth. Yeah. And it's really, um, they're very different. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, Danny Glover's family dynamic. I think it's all very sweet. I think it's all a little weird though that everyone went into the bathroom while he was taking a bath. Yeah, but that hey, was odd. it's the eighties. Yeah, um, it didn't seem like there was a lot of bubbles either. Nope. So it's like nope. And his teenage daughter is like, 
t- commenting on his beard and stuff. And it's like, honey, you shouldn't be in here. Yeah. Um, whatever. He's turning 50. He's 50. Um, meanwhile, I, Briggs. Riggs. But, Riggs. but before we move on, I, I do really like too how it's just like a functioning family yep. and it's not like you spend too much time at the office nope. it's like the movie's not about that no nope. like he has a good relationship with his family so when the daughter gets taken later it's gonna hurt yeah you know yeah right huge house yeah like huge house it's like yeah. it's like the simpsons house <laughs> yeah, yeah you know where it's like they're middle america but it's like no 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 no. yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's big um well simpsons house isn't real though you know that but have you, you seen know, people comment on it no, but do you know The Simpsons isn't real? What? Am I shattering your world? That's not a doc. What? Um, <laughs> I, I have I've never thought of it as. Oh, I've seen people big, comment yeah. more more of like recently today because of the housing market and stuff. But like <laughs> comments like back then when I watched that show, you know, this was just their house. But if you actually think about how big their house is and their middle America, yeah, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> huge compared to a middle class house today. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um. Well, they got in. They got into the housing market. They Springfield's did. a pretty easy place to get a house. <laughs> then Riggs lives in a trailer with a dog. Yeah, um, Sam. Sam, and he's got a dead wife. Yeah. Um, he is naked, drinks a beer in the morning. I'm pretty sure he opened a beer, drank it. Some of it spilled out and splashed on his peen while he was peeing. But, and that's, but it's like, a I don't effing care. That's yeah, how depressed yeah. I am. Yeah. I don't, was he peeing in that scene? What else was he doing? I guess I wasn't he paying was, attention. I thought he was just standing there stretching and he was just drinking a beer. I think he was peeing. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> I mean, the ladies didn't get what they wanted. They didn't show the front. So we, yeah, we, yeah. Can't, we can't know <laughs> yeah. for sure. But yeah, so we see that he is a... Um, Around here, though, you said <laughs> Mel's a snack. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're both a snack in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they are. A Glover with the beard? Yeah. Yeah, when he shaves it, it's like, okay, now he's old man Glover. But with the beard, it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> um no yeah and and so uh, let's just put this part to bed before we get started okay yes he's going in and out of the accent often it's so funny i just don't remember that the first time i saw it i never noticed it i think i think i probably never noticed it because i didn't know until way later that he was australian he was just always like an american guy yeah to me yeah um so i think not until i saw mad max which would have been after this as what what other things is he Australian in that you know of besides Mad Max? Me, nothing. I don't know of anything that nothing. he's Australian in. So, um, yeah, I I I yeah. I'm. I mean, I he, cannot wait till we watch the second movie though and see if he improves. Improves, not just improves, but like I guess improve is the right word. But like he's just not doing it because yeah. this was like he was just given no direction. It was just like just be the character, you know, interpret the character. Yeah. And the accent part wasn't important. Yeah. And and so I'll, we'll put it to bed. The accent's not great. I think the performance is great. Okay. I think the accent is not great, but I think it overcomes it by what he's doing. I think... With everything else. Danny Glover is better. I think he's out-acting. No. I, I, they're just so iconic together, they, you know? I, and I shouldn't really say this. I, I don't think Mel liked it bad. Yeah. I just... Personally... Uh-huh. I think you did bad. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh man! Wow, this is crazy. This is blowing my mind. But you know, it'd be good as as Riggs in a in a sequel. Who? Like a Glenn Howerton type, maybe, or possibly oh. a Rob McElhenney. You know, one or the other. Yeah. Maybe both could try it. 
And I bet they could both be Danny Glover if they wanted to. Yeah, Murtaugh. Yeah. Um. So, yes, Danny family. And then we get to a scene which is actually, we were watching the director's cut. I've never known that I've never seen the theatrical cut Uh, where there is a sniper at a school picking off kids, <laughs> which is different time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if any kids were, were killed. I, I think they no, made no, that, no. that they, clear. They did, I, yeah. An officer was killed but not no children i think they said officer down not killed i thought that meant dead i think that means uh they've been shot injured. And, or injured okay. yeah okay um but this is what we see that uh brit briggs i keep wanting to call him briggs briggs <laughs> just comes in and commands the scene he's he, he fears nothing yeah he welcomes death he even hopes for it and he's a great shot yep and he's able to take him down mm-hmm. and he's just in the line of fire and everything mm-hmm. now here's what i love about this okay I felt like you were actually about to say something you didn't love about no, this. No, that was a question uh, I had. Okay, go ahead and nope. ask a question. Please. Well, I'm just curious. Uh, I asked this last night. Uh-huh. But are we still in, the, in like, today in 2020, I feel like it's not so much of a thing, but back then it was a thing where anyone who's bad has to die. Yeah. They must be killed, and they must be killed by the good guy. Yes. That is a thing. It has to happen. And I feel, and I just can't think of an example, so um, I'm curious, but I feel like that's not as important today. It depends, case by case. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, it's mostly still the same for this type of movie. For this type of movie. I think so. If it's a superhero movie, it's almost always like, no, I actually choose not to kill See, you. that's what I think I'm trying, I'm kind of, that's what I keep thinking of because I'm thinking franchise based. Yeah. And I know these are different genres. I mean, I think the dirty Harry movies, they're all killed. And these are also older movies. So I'm, I want to know about more recent movies. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, think about like as much as I actually would not put this in the category of like the B tier, like Gerard Butler, yeah, yeah, like yeah. those types of movies yeah. or like the Liam Neeson movies. I would not put this in that category, yeah. but I think this helps spawn some of those. Sure. And so, like, those... That guy get, always dies. If, well, I'm just thinking about, like, if, I, if I'm watching a Liam Neeson movie and it ends with the bad guy not getting murdered, I'm going to be pissed that I went and saw that movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Same with a Gerard Butler, same with a... I'm thinking um, of, like, John Wick. Uh, Yeah, the always. bad guys get killed in those. Yeah. Um, were, were you asking or you're just... No, I'm thinking. Okay. I'm like, if you're asking, have you seen John Wick? <laughs> like, uh-huh. everybody and their mother dies in those movies. Um. Oh, that scared me. Gilmore. Hey, buddy. Wow. So our dog had, I'm not going to cut that out. Uh, we got, we got a little, I was like, it's got to be Gilmore. It's got to be Gilmore. We, we took him to the vet yesterday and he had to get two teeth pulled, a shot, no, two shots and a wart removed. So he's, he is like really lackadaisical. Currently wearing the cone of shame. That he has to have on for apparently two weeks. He's got a gnarly, gnarly stitches. Yeah, and so he's been laying down like all Mouth day. Mouth is swollen. And the only way for us to do anything is we'll like encourage him and we'll we'll be like, come over here and get water and stuff. And so he just came up well, out of his bed like to come and see us. he always does when we're recording. That makes me feel so good and it makes me feel like, okay, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Good boy, Gilmore. Good but boy. He looks rough. And yeah. I've looked into his eyes a couple times and I've thought there is nothing going on in there. Poor Gilmore, but he's going to be okay. 
Yeah, so sorry about that long silence there. We were just scared because we heard scraping sounds at the door. <laughs> it's just the cone banging against door frame. <laughs> oh, good boy. You made us happy. So, um, but yeah, all that to say, you got to kill the bad guy. I yeah. think in this this level of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you have to have them like accidentally get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even with like superhero movies, you know, you think about like Batman setting that template where it's like, oh, Joker falls off the cathedral and, and then it's like oh oh that one then it's like every for for years it was like every superhero movie the bad guy had to die at the end yeah but not on purpose by the hero yeah which is kind of a f interesting and kind of Loophole. funny phenomenon because then it's like the mcu i feel like they realize like oh we can have like loki be in like multiple movies because and people will like the villain for a long yeah, time yeah. you know yeah um anyway then MCU. what were you gonna say so what I was going to say is what I think this movie does really fantastically is there's like, you know, macho cop men movies all over the place. And a lot of times you have like the fearless guy who just is is kicking ass and taking names. And why is he doing it? Because he believes in justice. You know, what I love about this movie and I, why I wouldn't put this movie in like the B category of action movies is because this movie Riggs has this like whole suicidal element to his character. So when I see that he's crazy and he's doing stuff where it's like, that's cool. I like when he's doing this. This is awesome, man. It's like, but it's, it's so character motivated and it actually mm -hmm. feels like someone who is real. Mm -hmm. It's not just like he really is struggling. Yeah. It's not just like, Oh, you know, I used to be ex military so I can take on anything if I want to. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh no, he, he really, he doesn't give an F and, and he's not afraid to die. And he is ex military. Yeah. No, I mean, they have that element in the movie as well, but yeah. it's like, he truly has no fear in death and it's not just because he's cool. It's because he doesn't feel that he has anything to live for. Yes. I and like that too. So I just think the characterization of both him and Danny Glover put this movie cut above action yeah. movies. Yeah, well, it's, it's great too because that's the the good back back and forth between the characters. Is you have a man who has everything to live for, and a man who has nothing to live for. Yeah, what happens when they have to be partners? Exactly. That's that's your premise. Yes. Why is Vietnam such a thing in this movie? Um, I think it's the time period. Yeah. I think I think um, so many of these movies they talk about it so much yeah in this movie well because he has the connection with the the uh daughter's um dad who was in vietnam oh the girl who Danny was killed Lover. at the beginning of the movie yeah yeah they, dad, they have a history yeah but even mel gibson was in laos but part during the vietnam conflict yeah um and the other bad guy was also in vietnam yeah um so there's just there's so much it, it, it's like as part of it showing like uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it's just there's so much in it. Where one, they. I, I mean, I Rambo comes out around this time, all about Vietnam vets. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that's. It's not just a trope. I think it's people writing real life. Yeah. All, okay. We have all these Vietnam vets everywhere, and and they, you know, people who like Shane Black. You know, I don't know his age, but it's like maybe his dad was in Vietnam or something. So he's hearing these stories or whatever. Um, again totally theorizing i have no idea if that happened um but yeah i think that's just writing like you know if you were writing a story now and 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 also on just like a script level and you're like man i want this guy to there to be a reason 
why he is so good at something. It's like, oh, he was in, you know, Afghanistan. Well, I've noticed like the last few ish of Stephen King books, a character has been in Fallujah or like he was part of in that, like Afghanistan. Oh yeah. Iraq. But that Fallujah. Or Iraq. That's what I was trying to think of. That, that but both. huge bad conflict moment in that war. Yeah. He, he talked about that a lot with some characters. And yeah, I, I think it's just writing, writing real life. That's what I think. I, mm. but you know, I don't know. Maybe you, you want to say something different about it. I don't know. You're just, just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then we have uh, Riggs' like real introduction because it's not an extended scene, which is when he goes to a Christmas tree lot, and this is a Christmas movie, as I believe all Shane Black movies are. What? Yeah, I think I think all of his written movies take place at Christmas Why? time. I think he actually has a writing reason because I've heard Scott Ackerman mention it. Um, I don't remember what it is though. I think it has something to do with like that's the time of the year when everyone's tensions are most high and there's family around and all this other. There's like all these different reasons, but Not it's all one time he thought, "Let me just try to set it in a different time of the year." Well, I haven't seen The Predator, so maybe in that one, the first one. No, he made the last one that was made in theaters that, oh. that no one saw. Oh, and no, probably because it didn't take place during Christmas. Yeah, but Kiss, took Kiss, place during Easter. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Christmas, uh, Iron Man, Christmas, yeah. and um, Nice Guys, Christmas, I believe. Really? Oh. I'm pretty sure. But sometimes, the, see, the thing that that's kind of fun, I think it's fun. Uh, obviously, you're, you're not into it. Um, Why are you projecting on me this whole episode? Well, you, you were Do like... Do you feel like I'm destroying part of your childhood? Well, you could be. I feel like I must be. I'm just defending the movie is all. Okay, well, you don't need to be so defensive. Okay, okay. Um, but, uh... So he's at a Christmas tree farm to buy cocaine. Yes. Does the classic testing the cocaine by eating it, which I don't know if that's real or if you can do that. What do you mean classic? Like, that's another movie? Oh, that's like in every cop movie oh. when they're like, they're like, test the cocaine, they like rub it up against their gums. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, there's got to be some validity to it, but I think you can do that. Yeah. Although I guess I've never done it, so I, I'm not an expert. Right. Who cares? Who I, wants I, to buy it? Yeah, and and this this is great too, which is like a perfect, you know, like how this movie is. He he's like he's like, you know what? I want to buy all this from these guys. I think it's hilarious that they just it, like trust him. They're like cheering. They're like, woohoo, we're selling all the gold yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he'll buy it. He'll buy it. <laughs> it's so funny. And they're like, all right, it'll be a hundred. And he's like, oh, okay, that's a lot, but okay, I understand. And then he starts counting out a hundred dollars mm -hmm. and he's like 20, 30. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, hang on, I'm losing count. You got to be, hang on. That's funny. Yeah. He's like 40, 50. And they're like, 100 grand. And he's like, well, how about you give it to me for free? And pulls out his gun and badge. Yeah. And then there's a little shootout in the Christmas tree lot, and uh, love it. Great it's scene. Fine. I didn't. I. I. It was great yeah. intro to a character. Okay. And he does the Three Stooges. He he hits the guys like they're Three Stooges. Yeah, that is something he did. You do, you don't like that? No, I don't know. It's you just... didn't like that that Mel Gibson <laughs> does the Three Stooges on them. I don't know. There's just because usually that's something that should be right up my alley, but for this, it's like. What happened just, to you, Jordan? It's just not the tone I wanted, and I understand that that's <laughs> who hurt you. It's an Jordan? incorrect way to watch a movie. <laughs> I admit that. I admit it, and it was bothering me that the guy has him, 
it's using him as a human shield and has a gun pointed at him. And he's screaming for like a full minute, shoot him, shoot him, shoot me, shoot me, shoot him, shoot yeah. him. And it was just like, just shoot him. Seriously. Just get him to stop yelling. Gosh, so much yelling. Well, I, I will say I, I did notice this time around that I, I was like, just in the way that old movies can be sometimes i was like okay this pace like we could we could you know make this movie a little tighter yeah you know Which, we, this is the director's good yeah but yeah. Uh, but what i from what i read it doesn't sound like a lot of the scenes were extended there was just like three or four extra scenes in the movie okay so you know i feel like it's a little bit long i feel like in 1987 it's not too long but in 2024 it's like okay let's yeah 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 you know like get this action spiffed up so, is what I was going to say. And I don't this, think that makes sense. This movie did feel like it was written by someone who is a fan of dirty Harry. Yeah. Because this first act, I guess is very much just like, it felt like the first act of dirty Harry of just showing him being a cop. Yeah. Cause we see that. And then we see Danny Glover. Uh, well, he's starting off the investigation into the, the girl that died. Right. Yeah. Um, did, doesn't he do something else though? Um, let's see. Well, no, they get, they get, they get hooked up pretty soon here. Okay. So then, and I, we can get back to that. They get paired up as partners and then there's someone like jumping off the building and it's like, wait, 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 is, yeah. is this dirty Harry? Yeah. <laughs> but that felt like a homage or something like. Wait, is there a jumper in dirty Harry? If not the first one, the second one. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. What, what, what happens? Oh, wait, yes, yes, yeah. be, yes, because he goes up the thing, and I think I remember thinking, like, lethal weapon, what the heck? Yeah. Yes, But okay. I, I, Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a nod. Yeah. How does he, how does uh, Harry get him down? He doesn't jump with him, right? No, I don't think so. Or he pushes him. Does he push him? Uh, I don't know. He does something that's like, whoa, Harry. That yeah. That was dirty. Wow, that was magnum. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, we see that... Mel is suicidal, which we've already talked about. Mm. Um, and then... Well, you see that... I'm assuming she's, like, the psychiatrist at, that works at the police precinct. <laughs> yeah, I love like, this. This man needs to be, like... This isn't the right word, but a discharge from the service because yeah. he's going to get himself killed or get someone else killed because he's so suicidal. And the, the guy is basically like, you're a woman talking. No, just, well, I'll apologize when he actually does kill himself. Well, I, I do love, yeah. The line is something like, well, we're going to leave him. Uh, we're going to leave him on the force. We need him on the force. So if you're, if you're, if he kills himself, then I'll say, I'm sorry. And I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, that's like classic, like police banter stuff yeah, in these yeah. types of movies. So I love that. Um, so then Mel is in, I'll call him Riggs. He's in the police station. He's waiting to get a sign. He's wearing street clothes. And Danny is just staring at him. He's just staring at him. And and I, I had forgotten. I haven't seen this movie in years. And I was like, oh, does he know him? And he wants to, like, go talk to him or something. But he's just staring at this guy. And then Riggs pulls out a gun. That he just keeps in the front of his pants. Yeah, and he's just pulling it out to, like, take a look at it or whatever. And, and Danny screams uh gun and mm. tackles him great reaction from mel like oh where is it yeah he's like looking around the room <laughs> yeah um and and i just think that is a wonderful way to like when it's like uh-oh these two unlikely yeah, I, characters gotta get you know teamed up so mm. and and then the chief comes by and he's like murtaugh meet your new partner Riggs. that guy that you're like tackling mm-hmm 
Then they go out and they're going to hit the beat and they get, they're getting in the car and, and Murtaugh is very upset that he has to deal with this Riggs guy. Yeah. Basically he's like, I've kept my head down and worked hard my whole life. Never have had a scratch on me, but he's, he's kind of like by the numbers, uh-huh. he's worked hard for his family. He's worked hard to get them where they're at, worked hard to get him where he's at. And now it's all going to be for nothing because he has this partner that's going to get him killed. Yeah. Funny. And he said, I'm going to have to register you as a, I don't know. As a what Jordan? Oh, a lethal weapon. Yes. Um, so then they go and they talk to the dad of the victim. They don't really learn much. No. Other than he was trying to get in contact with Murtaugh the day before. Yeah. But he didn't reach out to him. And he, and he says, I would reach out to you to see if you could help her get off this stuff. Yeah. Um, cause she had been on drugs doing adult films just yeah. going down a bad road for a while now. And he's at his wits end with it. Right. Yeah. And then the, he's like freaking out and screaming like, you have to kill him. You owe me. You owe me because of Vietnam. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like you owe me from something that happened there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then they respond to a called in suicide jumper. And there are, there's a family of people in a car in the shot where they get the call that, staring at that the are camera. staring at the camera. So if you're watching the movie, look at the funny. background. Very funny. They get there. I love this scene. Riggs go- immediately goes up to the top of the building while they're negotiating. And he's talking to the guy. And the guy's like, hey, hey, you know, don't, don't come near me. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. And he's like, just let's just have a smoke. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to go near you. And then the guy gets a smoke from him. And then when he's going to light it for him, he grabs him and handcuffs him together. And he's like, okay, so now if you jump, it'll be murder. Cause you'll be murdering. Yeah. Me. I, I thought that was funny. And so the guy's like, what are you doing, man? And then he's like, I, I really want to jump. I want to jump. And then Riggs goes, you want to jump? You want to jump? Let's jump wild card, baby. <laughs> and then they jump, but they have the pad out. Yeah. And, um, and then this, I love this. I love this because uh, Danny Glover plays this movie. He goes to eleven. Like the, y- you said something in the movie that I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah. And I thought you were saying he's crazier. Like Danny Glover is crazier than the crazy character, which I kind of agree with in in not a bad way. Yeah. Like he's just going so ham in this movie. Mm-hmm. But he grabs Riggs. They go into the store, and he's like, "You're trying to get yourself killed." And then I mean, this is like so crazy cheesy because he pulls out the gun and Riggs is like okay shoot me do it do it do it and then uh and then Riggs like pulls the trigger and it catches on on Danny's uh like thumb as he tries to stop the hammer from clicking but he does actually pull the trigger I do like the reaction where he's like ow he can't believe that he actually did it um yeah Mm mm-hmm Anything, anything in all that you want to speak on? Just a lot of yelling. A lot of yelling. And we love yelling, right, Jordan? Sometimes. Yeah. And you, yeah. So, I mean, not, because we don't really do this anymore in this house, but this is a one to 10 scale on, on preference, preference I think I alone. Just, at this point in the movie, it's like, I get it. He's suicidal. But I understand that, that Murtaugh needs to get it. He needs to actually see for and be convinced mm-hmm. for real that he's not just a, annoying about it. It's like, no, you truly don't care. This, and yeah. that's the scene. But by then, I already know that. Yeah. So I'm just like, can't we just get over that now? Sure. Just get on sure. with the story. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, if you had to, 
someone puts a gun to your head and they say, I'm going to pull the trigger unless you tell me what your personal 1 through 10 rating of Lethal Weapon 1987 movie is. What do you say? Five. Wow, five. Not even a six. Not even a gentleman's six. No. Wow. A hairy man's five. A, a Mel Gibson's mullet five. <laughs> Well, then they go to um, where, you know, like maybe where the adult films are like shot or something like that. They have a lead. Yeah. Yeah. And they go to this place where there's a pool. Cool house. Pool house. Cool house is what I said. Yeah. No, no, no. And I said pool house. And I thought it was funny. They're walking around and there are these two ladies inside doing coke because it's the 80s. Yeah. And one of them flashes their badge or, or something yeah and they like run away yeah I yeah that was funny because at first they're like hi yeah they're like new party goers let's go yeah and then this guy just comes out starts firing and they previously had this conversation about like rigs you need to not kill some so and many this people. is when it this is when it really feels sloppy to me okay uh, the case because by this point i think yeah no, no, definitely by this point they've determined that this girl was murdered. She didn't kill herself. Sure. She jumped off the building, but what she had in her system was going to kill her if she didn't do that. Right. Therefore, they're ruling it a homicide. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, there's more layers to this than they thought. Much like, like Shrek, there's layers to this onion. Uh-huh. And so they get this lead to, from someone who's at this house, and that's where they go. And then did someone just starts shooting at him, and then they just shoot back, and then he drowns in a pool. Who yeah. was this? Yeah. And, and then, like, at some point, Gary Busey and that other guy are like part of it. We'll see. Okay. And I understand that there's like a drug ring. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, but I, but at, at this point too, cause after this scene, soon after this scene, Danny Glover's kind of like kind of an open shut case. Don't you think? And obviously it's not. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think it's all ri- I just think I've seen like a million better versions of that story. By yeah. Now. Well, see, this is why I think it works. So first of all, he sees a guy flash, badges he has a, a ton of drugs at the house that's why he's shooting at him but i get that I get maybe that. it's I like that you know so they they shoot you know drown in the pool but but i do think the key is the conversation you're talking about where danny glover is like it's open and shut we're good to go we solved the case no big deal and then riggs is like it's too neat this this makes like too much yeah. sense it's it, it feels like someone sent us down this and, path and maybe it's something as simple as i don't like how it was shot uh-huh and that that's the movie this part of it oh okay the scene i don't like how it was shot because it felt sloppy okay yeah yeah there was no like i i guess in a way and i i'm not even watching the movie for this reason but there there's no like can i figure out what's happening yeah what's the mystery here right they don't give you a chance they just go in they flash their bags and the badges and they get shot at and it's like I don't even know whose house this is. Obviously they're doing drugs and that's illegal. Yeah. And they're responding in that way. But yeah. So, well, all, all of that to say, I, I do think, I, I think when we were watching it last night, I kind of forgot where the story went and I was kind of like, Oh yeah, this does feel kind of random. But then when you find out, you know, the dad knows about everything and, and in all likelihood, he's just trying to provide like a, an out and a dead end for them. I think it all works and is, is interesting. I think it's a nice, intricate, but not too intricate plot. Yeah. I think he was hoping, because, you know, when he's like, kill them, kill them, find them, and kill them. I think he was hoping that they would find out just enough in order yeah. to bring those guys to justice, but not him. Yeah. 
Well, it, I mean, probably part of the reason he's telling them to kill them is so they can't talk and yeah. then indict him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it all works, like, pretty well. Um, also, forget that Shane Black also wrote The Last Action Hero, which is a which is a, another Christmas Macaw movie? favorite. I believe so. Really? I believe, yeah. It takes place around Christmas. Wow. Um, I haven't watched it in a while, I liked. I remember liking that movie when I was a kid. That movie rocks. I, really see, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid, but I remember really liking it. Well, and and here's the fun thing, folks, for you you people listening. Uh, that is a movie that my dad showed me, and he was like, this movie came out and people didn't get it. It was too clever for them. That's what he said. Saw it, always loved it. Rewatched it when I was more, like, filmy, and I was like, this movie still rocks. And I'm, and I'm looking at it, and it's like, it hasn't been reclaimed yet, though. It still hasn't been reclaimed. But then I started hearing some people kind of defending the movie a little bit. And I'm telling you what. Blank Check is covering John McTiernan this spring on their podcast, and he directed that movie. And after they cover that movie, as long as they like it, which I know David gave it a high review on Letterbox, the movie will now be a cult classic. How is it's Griffin taken this not long. Love that movie? I'm sure he loves that movie. Yeah, uh, but but it's not a cult classic yet. But I guarantee you that by the end of the spring, well, that movie will become a cult classic. So I'm excited about that. And you were right, Dad. That movie rocks. Um, yeah, so, um, Riggs goes to their house. He sees, like, the normal family function. I love the jokes about how, like, the wife is just terrible at cooking. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then his his teenage daughter thinks he's so cute. Which I thought was gonna come off creepier, but it's it's very funny. And yeah, in the well, he doesn't do anything. He yeah. doesn't act on it even a little bit. So no. it's, yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know. I'm like, it's the 80s. I know, like, me too. where are they gonna go with I this? Know. I can't remember. Um, oh, and can I date your daughter? Yeah. I mean, he says a comment like at the end of the movie, but it's such a like joke and yeah. they've gone through so much. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, they find out that they're both Vietnam vets. They talk about the case on the boat. They've kind of come together a little bit. And, and Riggs is like, are you ever going to trust me? And he's like, how about if you don't get yourself or myself killed tomorrow, I'll then I'll start to trust you. Yeah. So I do like too that. They're so dysfunctional, um, and they are very openly yelling at each other, calling each other out their first day of working, mm -hmm. but they still, like, the bonding element is still there. Yeah. I like that. What? And it's kind of nice that there's not, like, a romantic comedy scene where they no. have, like, a falling out for, like, a half hour of the movie. No. Like... No, it's just like a, you're my partner, and it's our first day working together, you come home, and you eat my wife's roast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You meet the family, whether um, I like you or not. Right, right. Uh, then we have the shooting range scene where we see just how good mm -hmm. Riggs is at shooting, which you seemed kind of get, like, did you think this was bad? No, I thought it was funny. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell if you were laughing with the, it because it's a funny scene no, or if good. you were laughing at it. He shoots a smiley face mm -hmm. from way further away. Um, and with then, a handgun. Yeah. How accurate can you be with a handgun I don't, at that distance? I don't know that you can be that accurate okay. at okay. that distance. Um. Because uh, you that's know, that's a purely curious. Situation. Yeah, no, no. I because I think so many like guns have ranges, obviously, and I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of handguns don't necessarily have like a hundred yards accuracy range. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like you know, like a lot of guns are meant to be like you know fifty yards and closer kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I'm not I'm not a weapons expert. Maybe you can be that good. 
I mean, did they do that in John Wick? Did he ever shoot anyone that far away with a pistol? No, I don't think so. It was okay. always in someone's face. <laughs> okay. Because John Wick is, is, is the Bible as far as assault weapons go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they, they start thinking, and, and they do this on the boat too, or maybe it's in the car or something. And I, I love this too, where they're like, okay, I was thinking about the case last night. And I was thinking this Dixie girl who said that she witnessed the suicide, it's just too convenient. Yeah. Like, it seems like maybe she was up there, maybe she helped put the pills there, and she's part of the reason. So she runs down sat outside, and she thinks, instead of people thinking I was up there, I'll be the one who claims a witness. And then they're both like, that's thin. That's too thin. Yeah. But maybe it's good. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And and it's just, that like, those things that, that feels... um almost Stephen Kingy where sometimes and and not but where you're but, assuming a lot and it's like you're you're yeah you're going too far with it like you're going too far but it's like but life does do that sometimes and criminals do think that way you, you know yeah yeah so it's like yeah it's too thin but it works mm-hmm. and i like that they kind of call it that's the like meta you yeah. know Shane Black kind of thing um so then they go to Dixie's house isn't that where this ha- wait that's that's the that's the person who like witnessed it at the beginning yeah. when they first went there. So they go to Dixie's oh, house that's and it the explodes. Kid, the kids are outside. Yeah. Okay. And so then they're talking to the kids. Mm-hmm. This is another, and it's yeah, the movie of the time. So it's not like a true criticism, but that, but also he was in the wars and it's not like that's where his knowledge came from, but he's like now an explosive expert too, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he's like, it's this kind of, it's this kind of bomb. Like mercury trigger or yeah. something like this is professional stuff. Yeah. And see that it's like, okay, he was in the war. That makes sense. What actually is funnier to me, and this is more unrealistic, but it's a movie is like, well, they wouldn't allow them to go in there and start like pushing around stuff and figuring stuff out no. like minutes after the explosion. It'd be too dangerous yeah. for hours. Yeah. But then going in there, it's like, no, forensics has to come in. And yeah. But that's like in movies when they, uh, I saw this pointed out because there's a. When someone uses their pen to pick something up. Yeah. And it's like. And their pen is com- contaminated. Uh, well, even if it's not, it can, it can slash is. Yeah. Uh, I, I think because I was watching. um. It, there was like a Vanity Fair or something like that where it's like a actual crime expert, like a forensics crime scene investigation person was on and they show them clips from movies and they're like, this is what's accurate. This is what isn't, which I think those are fun. Don't don't make every movie follow all that, though, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine yeah. to pick stuff up with a pen in a movie if you need to. But I, I think that they showed if I'm remembering right, they showed the clip from Shaun of the Dead. No, no, no. Hot Fuzz where they're cleaning it up. And I think out of all the clips, they were like, that one was like, that's actually how a crime scene would be. Cause everyone is like head to toe. Like mm. you cannot see their faces, which mm. plays into that great bit, the great cameo and the great cameo. Yeah. But he, remember he's like, he keeps trying to talk to people and it's not Kate <laughs> <laughs> <Kate> Blanchett. <laughs> okay. I think I'm ready to watch that um, movie again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, I've also heard, yeah. and I look at, I look for this anytime there's a police movie. Um, just pure curiosity, but I've heard that it's not protocol for an officer when they have their gun drawn. You can't have your finger on the trigger, like you you oh, should, okay. because I think like in case you pull the trigger. Ah, um, when police have never accidentally well, or purposely yeah, not killed get, innocent let's people. Let's not get right? into that part of it. I know, because how do you not get there? But like the <laughs> protocol is to have it on the outside of the trigger. Oh, that makes sense. And yeah. every time I'm watching a, a police thing, I'm always like 
looking if they pay that attention to that detail. And I think that's something I read somewhere so, yeah. sometime. Well, and that might be a more recent thing, like yes. 2000s I think or whatever I, wherever I saw it or something, it was like maybe in reference to like, um, like criminal mind, you know, I think maybe I watched criminal minds at, in that brief moment of my life. And it's like, Oh, do they do it? Like a current yeah, running yeah. police procedural show. Well, the the thing that I always, as a kid, I like couldn't wrap my head around it because I was so obsessed with like I wanted everything to work and be yeah. like I couldn't just go well it's a movie and this yeah. is a dumb thing and I'll let it slide. It's like no, everything I like has to be perfect. You know, yeah. like what uh, does that say about you? Oh, let's not even get started. <laughs> I'm not paying you enough for that. <laughs> but um, and to be clear, I don't pay Jordan. She's she chose to be my wife. Remember, I did the homework <laughs> for this relationship. But it's always funny, like, in 24 or anything like that, where it's like, okay, we're going to raid this house. And then, like, leading the raid is, like, Jack Bauer. And he has a bulletproof vest on, and that's it. And no, everyone no else yeah. everyone else is, like, decked out with, like, helmets and stuff and, like, assault, like, shields. And it's like, he's got a pistol and a little, a little life vest around him, basically. And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, guys, go on in. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get your head blown off. Uh-huh. So that's always funny. House blows up, and uh, one of the kids saw a tattoo. Saw someone who is the, potentially the person that's responsible. Yeah, a blonde-haired man. Yeah, who could that be? Um, and I, I like, I like this too. I, I love a good when like they, 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 you know, he, he kind of. I, th- I think he sees the tattoo on Riggs and he's like, he, it was the kid, that the kid said, that's what it was. He's yeah. like, it was that on him. And he's like, are you sure? And then they know like, Oh man, our pool is like much smaller. Mm-hmm. Like we have a suspect now mm-hmm. that is such a defining feature. Um, so then they go back to the dad of the victim. They find out. He's got, I, I think it's the memorial service for his daughter. Uh huh. And there is an, a crap ton of eggnog there. And I forgot that it was a Christmas movie, but I mean, even for Christmas, a lot of eggnog. Yeah. I'm now I'm really wondering if last action hero is happening during Christmas. Cause I mean, that's the other thing. Usually the movies aren't about, no, it's just like Christmas. It's just, they happen around that time. So isn't it weird that like, there's so many Marvel movies and there's only one movie that like takes place during like a holiday. Well, most of them these days don't even take place in this universe. So, yeah, that's true. But man, we should have had more time on that singing planet in the Marvels if they really would have done it right. Yeah. Cut out the first half of the movie, add the singing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So they find out the dad admits that he was shipping heroin. And I think, did he say the daughter got wrapped up in it? Or No, they killed his daughter as she was like collateral. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this helicopter flies up out of the banks of, of um, I wanted to say Utah. They're but, in um, L.A. They're in L.A. Shoots them through the window. Yeah. Shoots at them. And it's uh, Gary Busey. Yeah. Um, For, you know, first time playing a bad guy, as we know. Apparently. <laughs> and so um, then then it's, then it's, you know, we're now, I thought we were like getting toward the end, but there's still like 40 minutes after this. <laughs> I know. It did start kind of dragging a little bit, I yeah. think, here. But um, then I wrote, Gary shoots Riggs. Is this when this happens? Or is it later? He shoots Riggs and he goes through the window and they think he's dead, but he's wearing a bulletproof vest? Yeah. Uh, that's like very soon after this. Okay. Yeah. And then 
oh, that's the kids outside playing. That's not our daughter. Um, yes. And then the daughter is kidnapped. And then there's this whole... Murtaugh's daughter. Yes. And then there's this whole sequence that is very... I mean, maybe David Fincher really likes this movie because Seven, the, the ending of Seven looks a lot like the sequence. They drive out to the desert. There's even a helicopter. Yeah. There's like, there's certain shots that feel so the same. So Riggs is dead, so he's off uh, with a sniper going to pick people off yeah. during this while Bertha negotiates for his daughter back, has a grenade. Also like how he's like, okay, we've done things your way. It's time to do it my way. We're just shooting. Uh-huh. We're getting your daughter out of there, and we can't negotiate with these people. I think it's later um, when things ramp up even more than they already have is finally when Riggs is like, okay, I'll drive. And that's finally when Murtaugh lets him drive. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's big shootout. Daughter tries to escape. Helicopter is like hitting the car as it's driving. Crazy. Real stunt. Insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she gets re-kidnapped, Murtaugh's kidnapped, re-napped. and Riggs. She's re-napped. Yeah. And now it's really looking tough for our heroes. And They're uh, in a classic dank basement. Oh, yeah. Warehouse situation. Um, we love to see those. Riggs is strung up shirtless underneath water, and they're going to electrocute him. This felt so 80s. It's insane. Did you not like this torture? I don't know. I don't think I like how it was shot. I don't know. Oh. Um, it's so funny. It's so, um, and part of it is cause I've seen it a lot, but it's so like sticks in my brain. And I think part of it is like, it's the, it's a hallway instead of a room and it's like pipes and they're the, it, like, it just feels so like kind of different than like how those warehouses usually look. So I like remember this scene. So, and I think it's like the uniqueness of how they're, um, torturing, torturing him. him. It's like, oh, wow, this is, like, such an interesting I don't think there's thing. a lot of... It's not very showy. I don't. That's what I don't like about it. Wow. They just okay. got some wires and a sponge, and they're touching him, and he has to act like yeah. he's convulsing. I just... And he... Boy, is he acting, baby. Well, yeah. Let me tell you. He's acting. Um, he's like, good eye, good eye. Murtaugh's been beat up. <laughs> oh, and no. Literally, oh, no. <laughs> they're literally, literally rubbing salt in his wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that touch. Talk about poetry. Um... There's this uh, movie, Slow West, um, which I saw, and I didn't like. Maybe I'd like it now. I don't know. But there's a scene where it's at the end of the movie. Um, who's the tall, skinny guy from Power of the Dog that you love? That's, oh, Cody Smith-McPhee. Yeah, Cody Smith-McPhee. Tall, skinny guy. <laughs> yeah, pasty. <laughs> okay. Uh, also Australian. He's And you're welcome on the pod anytime, even though I, that may have come across as an insult. But hey. We love pace, we love skinny, and we love tall. You have to get through this. I uh, have to be done with this. But uh, he gets shot in his shoulder. It's called what? Slow West. It's got Michael Fassbender, too. That's how you know it's not that good. <laughs> he gets shot in the so- shoulder, and then he's, like, underneath, like, these ingredients in a cabin, and he finds out, like, the girl he loves or something, like, doesn't love him anymore, and then someone shoots the salt, and it pours into his wound, like, Jeez, as he learns like, that information. Like, rubbing salt in his yeah. wound, yeah. Which is kind of a funny touch. It's got touch. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. And people like it. I, I would be up to retry it, actually, because I, I think I wanted it to be a movie that it wasn't. And so I think the whole movie, I was like, I wish this was not the not the movie I'm watching in a different type of movie. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Because I think like when the salt in the wound thing happened, which felt kind of like Wes Anderson-y and jokey and stuff, I was like, this is the movie I wanted to see. And it's at the end of the movie. And it was more like 
serious and dramatic and not, oh yeah I, I get that i think i thought it was gonna be like funny or something yeah um but it's been so long that's the only memory i have of the movie but again michael fassbender's in it so it's probably not very good um anyway uh electrocution so then they get out oh but there is a great thing where um the bad guy says there's no more heroes left in the world and then riggs breaks in because he like killed the guy he's who carrying he's him. carrying the guy who he, he killed yeah and he like, and, like throws, throws it, it on a there, person and he's like shirtless like he has an open shirt and he's no, just he's shirtless machine gunning i thought shirtless? i thought he has like a whatever yeah. sure he's just machine gunning like crazy those kids are really throwing me off i keep thinking tally oh, is crying i have it right here oh yeah okay he's you know and then there's this big long uh chase scene it's big and it's long it is it is long and it's again i think it's a pacing thing i yeah. feel like 1987 you're like let's go this is like the train coming at the audience at uh in 1896 it was all, all this next part of the movie was going on for so long that i was just kept telling myself it's an 80s movie so it'll wrap up in 30 seconds when it's done right. but there is actually quite the ending for this in yeah. terms of wrapping it up yeah um, but but he chases Gary Busey down the freeway. I always like a, a more freeways in movies, folks. Sure, action movies because it's always interesting. And uh, well, the ultimate one, Speed. Oh, I was gonna say Bowfinger, but yeah, Speed. Bowfinger is a moment in that I know, movie. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that one, and then Matrix Reloaded. Remember? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Speed. Of course, we gotta watch that again. That movie. Yeah. I mean, that movie just goes. That's a quick movie. It's fast. It speeds. Um, 66 miles an hour? 55. 55. Um, sorry, Sean Muir. Um, yes. So they're fighting, um, chasing them. I think, does Danny kill the main bad guy? The guy gets in a car and the car explodes? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not remembering why. Um, but it does. It does. Oh, there's like explosives and uh drugs in the backseat and like guns and stuff. Yeah. And then it just catches on fire or something and it explodes. Yeah. Then they know that they're that Busey must be going back to his house. Yeah. So they go to his house and then oh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I can. It's a, it's an <laughs> 80s movie. But we're here, the movie's coming to a head, and Murtaugh's like, everyone stand back. Riggs has got to fight this guy on my lawn right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, this is this is too much. And people in the neighborhood are just watching, and they're cheering for him. They're like, break him, break him, kill him. And I thought he was going to kill him in front of yeah, yeah, yeah. cops. Yeah. It went on for way too long. No, scene. and and I will I will definitely see that point for sure. <laughs> I mean, that was like too much yeah it, it was to the point where it's like one of them would get them on his back and then they would start fighting again yeah and then the next guy would get him on yeah, his yeah, back yeah. and then they would start fighting again yeah yeah and then he defeats him and then um and then you're like oh he is just gonna arrest him that seems unusual for this type of movie yes. is what i'm thinking yes and then he like is able to pull a gun and then Riggs shoot or murtaugh shoots him right I don't remember. I think it's Murtaugh, and it's like he learned to be a little more like Riggs, and Riggs oh. learned to be a little more like Murtaugh. Okay. Um, if I got that detail wrong, oops. But, th I mean, either way, they did learn that about yeah. each other. And then it's like he goes to Christmas dinner. I can't believe we are knocking out this entire movie in in one day. I thought this was going to be a two-dayer, especially with the way she's Look been us. napping. Look at us now. Look at us now, Talia. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you could get away with this. And uh, then it then it resolves. They're all good, right? Yeah. 
Big happy family with one new addition, two new additions because of his dog. Right. Yes. Um. So so final thoughts, Jordan, on Lethal Weapon. Didn't uh, not very good. Or didn't enjoy it very much. Wow. Um, but there were things I enjoyed. Um. But I will be the first to admit that I think for a good portion of them, it's on me. Okay. And I'm not trying to take away from anyone's childhood nostalgia for it. Yeah. But not for me. But I do think I will enjoy the second one more. Okay. Because of Pesci. Well, I mean, come on. It's and I remember, I like from my memory, I remember liking the second one. I didn't have any memory of what of my thoughts on the first one. Yeah. I mean, the second one we watched a lot, but I fear that it'll be like, well, we were kids and we just I, liked the yeah. sequel more and we'll watch it. I mean, what other movie is the catalyst going to be Danny Glover sitting on a bomb that's connected to his toilet? And if he gets up, it blows up. That's in the second movie. What other movie is going to do that? Wow. So, um, yeah, what we did, did it. What about you? Thoughts? I, I like it. I mean, I, again, the pacing, I just feel like as a modern viewer, it just feels a little bit slower. Uh-huh. But I, I, I love this movie. I think it's great. Um, I think it's a, a classic. You gotta watch it. Um, and it's, I'm excited to keep watching the rest of these movies. F- a fun series to finally cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just think that the two leads are just so charismatic. They they do carry all four of these movies. They're just like Mel and Danny. You just love watching them. So very into it. Um, let's see. On Patreon, we are doing Tron Legacy, which Jordan and I found out is a, a total honker. We didn't find. Well, I was. It was reaffirmed. For yes, me. for me, I was like, "Is this going to be a total honker?" And boy, is it. This movie rips, and Michael Combs came on the episode, and we just recorded it, and it's a great episode, so I'd really encourage you to sign up. You can do a free trial mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash Mike and you could listen to that, and if you like it, just keep the, you know, let the trial expire and stay a patron, but give it a listen at least. Yeah, um, and we have a lot of other fun backlog too. Oh yeah, and then, and then you know, next month we're doing train spotting, which is going to be pretty wild. Um, so thanks for listening. Please share this with a friend. Find an episode you like and share it with a friend. Um, we've covered so many franchises at this point. There's gotta be something ever for everyone. And you know what? Let's be frank. I don't know how to get this podcast any bigger than it is. So it's up to the, you guys. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, share, share it with a friend because, uh, all I can do is keep making them and I can't figure out how to make it bigger. So, um, little too real who knows <laughs> what a lethal, um, le- lethal weapon what a lethal weapon <laughs> uh thanks for listening next week it's lethal weapon two see ya you did it, Micah. <laughs>